Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. Today we will once again discuss the open ran and virtual ran topic. We already had two episodes on this subject. In fact, we started off our podcast with it, uh, analyzing the formation of Open RAN Policy Coalition. We followed that up with the interview of Alok Shah of Samsung, discussing their product launch and such. Open RAN and Virtual RAN is gathering a lot of attention and traction in the industry. Uh, even the last holdout, Ericsson, announced their Cloud RAN a few days ago. But what we are going to discuss today is uh, Qualcomm's recent announcements of 5G RAN solutions. As you might remember, Qualcomm was a major infra player in the CDMA days, but in 4G, uh, it concentrated mostly on device chipsets and only had limited small cell presence on the infra side. But it all changed with this announcement. It seems uh, they're looking to leverage their strong technology expertise and dominant 5G position for infra as well. We will take a closer look at this decision, the reasons behind it, and what that means to the 5G infra industry as a whole. And to do that, we have a special guest with us today, and that is Gerardo Quiretta, a good friend and a senior director of product management at Qualcomm. Uh, welcome to Tantra's Mantra Show, Gerardo. Nice to talk to you after a long time. Yeah. Hi, everybody. And thanks, Prakash, for inviting me. Happy to be here. Gerardo, you've been a Qualcommer for a long time, right? Uh, can you briefly explain your journey at the company and what you currently do? Sure. So I, I've been almost 15 years Qualcommer right now. So I started early with R&D engineer and uh, particular standardization engineer. Uh, those were the days of the LTE. Did a lot of work uh, in that area. Then uh, did uh, a lot of R&D at the beginning of the smartphone era. We had uh, a product called Connectivity Engine. It was about optimizing the endover between LTE and Wi-Fi. So did a lot of that. And with that, then I moved to, to product management been in 5G product management for seven years now. I was the first product manager of the SDX50 5G modem, the first 5G modem that Qualcomm did. And now recently I moved to the infrastructure side. So you have the right background uh, uh, when Qualcomm is launching into this new area. I mean, not really new, but relatively new. Now let's start with uh, the open RAN and virtual RAN landscape itself. Uh, where do you think uh, the market is today and where it is headed? A lot of news, of course, but in real terms, what is your view of the market right now and in the future? Yeah, I mean, it's very exciting time, right? I mean, you see, you have one announcement every every week, if not two announcements per week, and so for a lot of movement going on. It's definitely a big trend that is happening, both in terms of virtualization and disaggregation and open interfaces. Of course, these are new trends which have been enabled now with existing solution or not so optimized solution. And so that implies that as always, right? When you have a new trend, you have initial solutions that may not be perfect, may not be as power efficient as they should be compared to the traditional incumbent solution. And so from that perspective, that's how, uh, that's the status right now, really, right? When you see trials, uh, some small scale attempt of deployment with, of course, the big uh, exceptions of Rakuten. And, uh, but we are going to see in the next uh, three to four years, definitely more and more 
mature products related to that, uh, more brownfield operators also going into trialing and deploying this solution because I think there is a basic movement uh, and uh, technical and business reason to go in that direction. So we really think this is going to happen. It's just a matter of the usual disruption of innovation that will take its own course. Yeah, sure. So there is a lot of confusion between Open RAN and VRAN. You know, they are different, but they're together in, in many ways. And many use them almost as synonyms. Uh, while these are two separate concepts, in my view, their fate is interlinked. That is, if VRAN happens, Open RAN happens, and vice versa. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. I think this is a very good question, actually, because it's, uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes I use them uh, interchangeably as well, and, I, and then I get upset with myself by doing that, right? Because these are very different concepts, right? If VRAN is about virtualization, you can run software workload related to the radio access network on a virtualized framework. And that has really nothing to do conceptually per se with you disaggregate the run, do you open interfaces or not, right? The fact is that, as you said, VRAN is actually becoming an enabler of open run, right? So because you can virtualize, then the barrier to entry and the way you can basically disaggregate the different pieces of the base station becomes easier because then everything that is not strictly fully real time you can then virtualize it either in the cloud or anyway in some pooled resources, right? So that's where it gets really, as you said, two different concepts that they kind of fool each other, they enable each other, right? So you create this uh, virtuous cycle between virtualization and open interfaces where the two of them fool each other. But yeah, they are different concepts, but it's very difficult to think about open RAM without uh, also virtualization, right? Correct. Yeah, I agree. So, do you do you think the infra landscape, uh, infra vendor landscape, that is, will drastically change from uh, what it is today when open and virtual rants are really become mainstream? If so, who are the major new entrants that you think will enter the market? So, I think it's very difficult to say right now what will happen. To be honest, it, it depends on so many action and reactions of different players that it's it's impossible really to judge right now. I think what we believe is going to happen is uh, there is going to be a technology change. That's for sure. There is going to be a technology disruption towards virtualization and towards open interfaces. And that will happen also for high performance product. Right. Also for the massive MIMO deployments and the high capacity deployment, which is not what happened so far right now. So that technology disruption, technology change is going to happen. Then that will automatically, as we are seeing right now, for example, in the Rakuten deployment, give opportunities for new entrants to enter the market. We all know who these players are. They're, they're doing a lot of innovation, a lot of good stuff. And how much the incumbent vendor will try to ride that wave and stay incumbent with just a different technology underneath or trying to fight it. And therefore, how much they will be disrupted. I think that I cannot comment. I, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun to see, but uh, it's very difficult to say right now. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if you look at, you know, the traditional players like Nokia basically started supporting uh, 
uh, you know, little while ago, and Ericsson, which was the last holdout, they also kind of agreed uh, to the trend and announced their solution. So it looks like it is more certainty now than I would say a year ago, for example, right? Oh, that uh, absolutely. There is definitely a movement going on there, right? Then the question is uh, how much far you, you can bring it to, to really the open interface, the open frontal concept, for example, right? How much really can an operator eventually have a multi-vendor solution between the, the DU and the RU? I, th- I think that's that's the part that is going to be interesting to see. Correct, yeah. When do you think uh, Open RAN, VRAN will be mainstream? I think it's going to be a little bit easier for the greenfield operator to go down that path. So that's, you know, we have seen Rakuten. I think we have seen announcement from DISH. All the operators that have a little bit more clean piece of paper where to draw their own new network architecture will definitely start there. But to be honest, we are seeing interest from basically everywhere in the world, right, in terms of the operator community. And uh, it's going to be that at the beginning, as always with new technology, there is going to be probably trials in not so demanding areas where you maybe you try a little bit more the solution in a rural or suburban type of environment from an operator perspective or market that are not very high capacity market. And then depending on the results of the of the trials there, then you accelerate towards a more demanding market. From a geo's perspective, you can see from the operator being part of our press release and announcement, you can see it really everywhere in the world. So it's going to be a little bit a difference between Greenfield and Brownfield and maybe at the beginning, a little bit like a, a rural suburban type of deployment versus high capacity type of deployments. And then little by little, it will grow from there. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, you mentioned about uh, your announcement. Uh, let's talk about that. Can you just briefly explain what you announced a few days ago? Sure. So we announced a new set of platforms, system on chip. We refer to them as QRU, QDU, and QDR. These are for the radio unit and the distributed unit. And basically, these are a system on chip, so silicon solution that will enable macro infrastructure, high capacity, highly power efficient for the next generation of uh, open run and VRAN networks. So this uh, new system on chip will be used in a very flexible manner, either in the radio unit or in the distributed unit, focusing on all the aspects uh, that really require some sort of dedicated hardware. So everything that requires very low latency processing that is really close to the 5G new radio physical layer, everything that is really very low latency and so forth, that's where our system on chip will be used, right? So it's really a horizontal solution from a silicon perspective that we are developing for any customer to build the actual products eventually on top of that. We are we're not going to build the radio unit ourselves or the distributor ourselves, right? So if you want, it's a traditional Qualcomm horizontal play similar to what we have in smartphones, right? Where we have our Snapdragon solution, which is a horizontal play with modem and processing that can be used by others to build innovation on top. And that would be exactly the same playbook that we are going to see in the infrastructure space. 
Yeah, exactly. I think horizontal is a you know, right way to explain it. You you did not do it in 4G. You only had small side, chip side. What changed? How this thing come about? So I think I think in 4G, as you said, right, we were present uh, from a, a semiconductor perspective in 3G at uh, the days of CDMA, as you said at the beginning. Uh, in 4G, we made a conscious decision to focus on small cell because we were seeing that as a key enabler for some technology that have eventually got developed like like LAA and so forth. So there was a, a, a strong trend on densification. There was a clear market gap on somebody who developed uh, hardware for that densification trend. And so we saw us playing that role while there was no much in the early 4G days, much of uh, innovation, if you want, in more the, the macro network, the traditional network, right? Things flipped around now where we are seeing, based on the trends that we discussed earlier, of virtualization and open run, we clearly see two things. The first is a big modularization of the network, right? And whenever there is modularization, then a horizontal solution makes more sense, Right. And the second one is that we see this as a big opportunity for us because we just see a market gap on high-performance semiconductor product that are going to enable this network, right? And probably we can talk more about it, but there is definitely, we see an opportunity to provide high-performance silicon for these open-run and rerun networks. Uh, which it, it was simply not there in 4G, right? The, the trend was not there. There was no possibility of intercepting the market in this way. Yeah, you point out, you know, something key, which which leads to my next question. I, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, these products that you announced, are they more like uh, hardware accelerators for, uh, you know, for your 5G broadband? What, what, what is the need for uh, such things right now? You know, if you look at, say, Rakuten, which is deployed network, and there's some other trial networks that there are there, they are relying on general purpose compute, let's say x86, for example. They already have commercial solutions in the market. What is the need for these hardware accelerator as such right now? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. I think there is a little bit of difference in the answer if you focus on the RU on the DU, right? On the RU front, it's at the end of the day, it's very close to the antenna system. It's where a lot of the lower layer physical uh, layer functionality are done. And uh, there it's, you know, there is a lot of aspects related to transceiver and so forth that simply cannot vir- virtualize and cannot be run on x86, right? So that's if you want a little bit of an easier answer. On the DU front, where some other aspect of the physical layer are implemented, I think... Um, it boils down to performance. It boils down to, and when I say performance, is really capacity, but also capacity over what? So how much you can actually do on a given power envelope and power consumption, right? And uh, the aspect is that, yes, Rakuten is doing that based on a complete commercial of the self solution. They had a really, really clear internal mandate of going fully virtualized and open interface, right? We believe that eventually the virtualized network and open interface network, open run network, they need to achieve the same performance in terms of power and product overall than vertical network, than incumbent networks. And if you want to go down that path, you need for some function, not everything, for some function, you need to 
have dedicated hardware. You need to have hardware that is uh, just custom for those particular functionality. So when you start getting to massive MIMO type of deployment with multiple layers, multiple users, and so forth, you're going to have a gap in performance between a solution that an incumbent can bring in, which has its own silicon, versus a pure cost solution. So that's the gap that we want to address, right? It's the gap between making sure that the solution is still virtualized, still focusing on cuts as much as possible, but just uh, addressing that part uh, that makes sure that the cut solution plus our solution can eventually address that gap and be as performant as an incumbent solution. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that makes sense. So th- there are two follow-up questions on that then. So the first one is your DU solution specifically, can it scale from a single individual site uh, to a data center kind of deployment where uh, the DUs are pulled together uh, at a server, for example, that is one. And second, in uh, in any deployment, this basically your solutions provide the acceleration for some of the baseband functions, which means you still need generic compute for many other uh, services and functions at a you know, base station, right? So short answer is yes to both, but let me let, let me cover that. So on the first one, uh, the of server and pooling and so forth, yes, absolutely, absolutely. These uh, our QDU platform, this uh, SOC, is really meant uh, to be used uh, with the new modern architecture in mind, right? So the on the DU in particular, you have a lot of parallel processing, so you can even put multiple QDU in a pooled uh, server, as you said, on on data center you can do that, right? So it's uh, very much along those lines. At the same time, it can be used in a more traditional architecture where you have a baseband unit uh, at the bottom of the tower and you can use the the, the QDU there. So it, it's really flexible in the way they can be used. Your second question is also a good one. And I want to highlight that. Definitely there is, when we say QDU from a Qualcomm perspective, it's really not compute uh, a modem solution that will cover all the aspects of uh, a DU. There is definitely going to be a need for additional compute processing for some functionality that we don't implement. And, and that's by design, right? It's really by design because we are trying to focus with this solution on what we are good at as Qualcomm, right? And we're good at uh, building modem. That's what we are good at. 5G functionality in itself will be accelerated by our solution, but then a lot of the more networking aspect uh, and additional aspect that you need there, that will definitely still require additional processing. So as I said earlier, it's really the way we are seeing it, it's really more a combination of COTS plus our solution that will make the new generation of product. Okay. In a sense then, you're not directly competing with solutions like Intel's Flex RAN, right? But more with uh, this basket of uh, vendors like Marvel and few others who primarily provide accelerators, right? Not general purpose compute. Yeah, I, th- I think you can probably put it that way. I think the devil is in the detail because every player has a slightly different architecture, the way you can architect product and so forth. But definitely it, this announcement from Qualcomm is not competing with a Intel x86 platform with x86 being used for a lot of the upper layer DU and CU functionality that you have in VRAN, 
right? Absolutely. When a lot of the software will be virtualized, that will still run on COTS, right? Uh, this is more an aspect, as you said, related really to the baseband functionality of, of the 5G stack. Okay, yeah, makes sense. So, I mean, you, you guys have a world leading modem, Snapdragon modem for 5G and, you know, for 4G as well, for sure. I would assume the RAN solution is built on basic IP blocks and the experience and expertise of this, you know, device modem, right? Because ultimately you have to have a systems background and system expertise to develop these solutions, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we like to call ourselves a system company. We always have done things, even when from a commercialization perspective, we were focusing mostly on the device side. We always have been looked at this uh, at the, as a system set of problems, right? If I don't know how much the uh, audience have followed our R&D, for example, announcement, but whenever we, we do demos at Mobile World Congress and so forth, we always come with a full system solution on both ends of link, right? So there has always been that DNA in Qualcomm. And so that that is not new. There is, as you said, there is also an aspect of a lot of lesson learned from our Snapdragon modem in terms of how to build modems that are very energy efficient, right? That's, they have to be if they go in a smartphone, right? So a lot of this definitely is a part of the baggage of the company that we have and the, the learning of the company that we have. These particular SOC that we have announced, of course, they are purposely developed for the macro market. It's not that you just you can take a Snapdragon modem and just use it in a base station. It's not that as simple as that, but there is definitely a lot of lesson learned, a lot of uh, reuse from a technical and knowledge perspective from, from the traditional Qualcomm knowledge, yes. So looking at your DRU specifically, it looks more like a small cell platform that you have. How is it different? It looks pretty similar to me. Is it scaling? It's really scaling. I think it depends a little bit how the market eventually will will scale between picocell, microcell, and so forth. So I think we want to cover from a Qualcomm perspective the entire spectrum of possible deployments that the operator may have. And so we want to go with our current FSM 100 uh, exact solution. We want to go from uh, the small cell type of deployment. And now with this new announcement, we want to go to up to massive MIMO high power type of deployment. And, you know, if we're looking at the middle from a scaling perspective, uh, there was a little bit uh, gap there. And so that's why we announced also the QDR. But you can almost look at it as a continuum, uh, in a sense, uh, of uh, product, right? Perfect. So now, uh, you know, looking at the press release that you had, it is really amazing and impressive that you had close to 20 operators supporting you in the press release. Can you give any specifics on who are you working with? I know you cannot name names, but in terms of geos and timelines and such, so I think in terms of operator support, right, you see the names of operators there from all these different players. I think the the presence of so many operators for a product that, as we said in the press release, will sample in the first half of 2022, it shows how we are addressing really a gap that there is in the industry right now. 
So that's why we are seeing all these uh, operators. And, you know, these operators are all good friends because we work with them on the device side, on the small sales side to launch products. And so they know what to expect from Qualcomm perspective. And that's how you see also uh, some good support there. But it's really the, if you want, the indication of how much our product strategy and solution is really addressing a pain point that there is in the ecosystem right now, right? So we are kind of working with all the operators that, that, that you see you see there and actually even more than those. In terms of timeline and so forth, I think we discussed about the timeline as part of the announcement. So we're going to do some customer sampling in the first half of 2022. Then exactly when this product will be available for the final commercialization on the field, I think will, will depend a lot how closely we will work with the operator, closely we will work with our customers and so forth. So it's very difficult to predict right now exactly when the product will be available for actually deployed in the field. Yeah, cool. And I think working with operators very closely on standardization, you know, I think that's that's very critical in terms of support when you're coming up with new solutions. Yeah, that helps a lot, right? The whole point about driving, being at the forefront of 5G device roadmap, driving new features to device format, that always allowed us to have a very, very close partnership with all these operators, right? And, you know, having also a name with these operators means that they, they trust us. They, they, they trust our capability of execution and so forth. So that definitely plays a, a positive role overall for us in, in this context. Yeah, cool. So, so moving over to now the vendors as such, I'm, I'm assuming you're working with many vendors as well. Obviously, can't name names. But uh, is it mostly the new uh, VRAN vendor architectures that you're working on for these things? Like some of these, like the DRU, for example, could be used in traditional architecture as well, right? To some extent. Yeah, absolutely. I think we are with uh, pretty much everybody in the ecosystem right now, right? As I said earlier, it's not that this solution is just meant to be used by new entrants. This solution can definitely be used even in traditional type of deployment by incumbent. While the solution is, uh, if you want to optimize or support all the necessary component of virtualization and open interfaces, it can also be used uh, in more traditional type of deployments, right? And so because of that, I think we are really working and engaged with all the vendors in the ecosystem right now. Of course, we are working more closely with some versus the other. Yeah, so and then you know, now talking generally about uh, the VRAN and OpenRAN itself, initially started uh, people saying, oh, it's only suitable for greenfield deployments. Now I think the realization that it is for everybody, not just greenfield, but also for brownfield is kind of sinking in. But large operators are very risk averse. There is a feeling that instead of just jumping in right away, a lot of them evaluate for a long time and adopt a wait and watch approach and let the greenfield guys try it out first and see how good or bad they make it, maybe learn from it and then move on. Is that how the progression will look like uh, from your point of view or you think it'll be different? No, I, I think probably yes, right? I mean, there are, there's always going to be exceptions, things that work out different, but the, the way you describe it is, is very good in my view. There is definitely operators like Rakuten for which it's, it's going to be, you know, you have to build the network from scratch. You have to build that in 2019, 2020. So it makes not sense not going the virtualized framework and so forth. 
right? You are a brownfield uh, operator, you have a lot of uh, network or you're there, then yes, you are a little bit more risk averse, no, no doubt about that. And that's why I was saying that you're going to see in the next few years trials. That's why, by the way, we are comfortable with our timeline as well from a product perspective, because we see that it will take some time for open run everyone to become mainstream. And uh, it will take also solution like ours, because in order to make, again, brownfield operator comfortable, you need to make sure that the new network architectures will be as powerful as as power efficient uh, to the traditional one, right? At the end of the day, if you are a brownfield operator, you still have uh, incumbent vendors selling you products with the traditional architecture. And so you really need to make sure that from a cost power TCO perspective, the new solution is better, right? And so that's, that's why we're seeing that this will take a few years for sure, right? And that's why also we are comfortable with our product timeline. As I said, it's coming 2022 because it's, uh, it's where we believe uh, Viva and Opera will start getting mainstream and will start getting into a more higher performance type of products and where our solution will be needed. Correct. I mean, people have gotten used to this uh, mobile timeline of a new chip every year. So some thought, you know, it's too late, which I don't agree with. New generations come every 10 years and infrastructure update happen every like five to eight years, if not longer than that. So yeah, I agree with you on that. Now the last question, OpenRAN is being touted as one of the major solutions to address the lack of diversity in the infra ecosystem uh, right now and you know, also the supply chain security and national, national security concerns and such. Do you think uh, VRAN and OpenRAN can address that issue? I think the issue of diversity, absolutely, right? I mean, it's giving a platform for new entrants uh, and even some players that maybe they were a little bit regional players now to re-come back in the global. So it's definitely a little bit lower the bar to entry. And by lowering the bar to entry is giving a lot of opportunities for new entrants. And so the, automatically you have an increase uh, of diversity in the infrastructure ecosystem. Uh, absolutely, we, we can see that as a very positive uh, outcome of, of VRAN and open interfaces in general. Excellent. So I think we covered a lot of ground. Uh, any final comments or any major things that we missed in the discussion? No, I think it was a good discussion. Thanks. Good set of questions. I think we are, as I said at the beginning, we are really excited about uh, the trends that are happening right now, the role that Qualcomm will play and in general the overall transition that is happening in 5G infrastructure. It doesn't happen every year. So it's really, really an exciting opportunity. Very good. Thank you very much for all the information and insights. Exciting stuff. Really appreciate you coming on to Tantra's Mantra. Hope to see you back soon again on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So folks, that's it for now. Hope uh, it was informative and you found it to be useful. If you did, please hit that subscribe button down there. I'll be back uh, very soon with another episode, putting light on and analyzing another interesting subject. Bye-bye for now.